It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The fun forever It's at the end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, September 28th, and you're listening to episode 435. I'm your host, Jason, here with my pal, Julio. Hey, how's it going? Hey Jason, I'm doing I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing I'm doing all right too. It's been a heck of a week. Same um here. we had a couple close close calls with COVID. Um uh, where we were never exposed, but uh people who are like one step away from us were exposed uh but happened not to come see us like they were supposed to. Uh these are people that like like these aren't like randos like from around they were just like letting come over. It was uh uh, some people that we work closely with and some relatives and uh yeah so uh so that was that was cool um <laughs> it just shows me that no matter what you do there's a chance <laughs> that you're gonna get exposed uh yeah. but we uh yeah so it's it's been a, it's been a week it's been a week well i'm glad i'm glad that you and the family are doing well uh for me the stress has has been more from the studying as i mentioned to the yeah. to the builders last time i was in I, uh, I, I started studying for my professional engineering exam back in June and my exam mm -hmm. is in October 22nd. So I am wow. currently, I'm currently taking, uh, a review course that's, uh, online and it's seven to ten thirty Monday through Thursday for six weeks. And I'm currently on week four. Ah, so Wow. Needless to say, you know, my design time has definitely taken a dip. Uh, <laughs> I, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's it, I'm just super tired, uh, you know, working eight hours and then studying for almost four hours is it takes a toll. But I'm definitely I'm one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> one thing's for sure. I, I'm, I'm definitely getting uh, like mentally prepared for the exam in the sense of, OK, I think I can That's definitely good. take this. I can I can do this. So. Um, and now, now one thing's for sure is that that exam is actually in, in, in New York. So I have to travel to New York. I got to take an airplane and stuff. So, Ooh, that's, yeah, that's not what you want to have to do right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's one all right. Those, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is one of those things that I, I think it's probably the best time to do it now. Uh, that's one of the reasons with, you know, COVID happening. I'm like, I'm staying at home. So I'm, I got some time to study and that was the case. Uh, now that we've got a baby coming is the baby's uh, is due in, in January and it's going to be a boy. So that's, uh, Congrats. Exciting. thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know, after the baby comes, that's definitely going to be a lot harder to study for that kind of stuff. So, right, right. Yeah, no. And obviously too, you know, that's not when you want to be stuck flying, uh, when you have like a brand new baby at home. So, it's, yeah. and, uh, I'm sure that even though all this is happening, the holidays are still going to be. A, a big uptick in travel so being able to do it when you are is good because you're you're getting out ahead of it so that's very nice yeah yeah october is not too bad but uh i mean that, that was just kind of the the stressful part that's been going on but uh i've also i've even though i've had limited time to do design related stuff i've still been pretty active uh one of the things i mentioned last time i was on the podcast was that I was going, I was gonna attend this Mojo Pitch event. Yeah, yeah. So in that event, uh, that was the first week of September, and essentially how this event works is usually uh, a pitch event for mass market publishers that happens in the UK. Now with the COVID thing happening, they switched it to an online event. So that was definitely interesting, and it gave me the opportunity to you know. Uh, pitch to different publishers now the thing with this was that it had a ticket you had to buy a ticket it was 230 some dollars and and but i thought you know i have a lot of designs so i think i'll, I'll just do it and, and you know i don't oh, have yeah to, yeah i don't have to pay for for a hotel or anything so right right <laughs> it was a it was a three-day event and i had meetings with 15 publishers that was another great thing is that the event included you know, it was like 30 some publishers and you picked who you wanted to meet with based on the wish list that they had provided to the right. To right. The and event. when you 
when you look at 15 publishers, that's like less than 20 bucks a pop. That's a pretty good deal. It's like yeah. 15 bucks a publisher. That's totally <laughs> yeah, worth yeah. it. And, and the thing is, I mean, a lot of the meetings went great. Uh, one of the things that you knew why it went great is because uh, after I pitched, and it, it was a 30-minute meeting for each one. Now, for them, it was like 50 meetings in three days. Uh, I know. That's insane. So it's one of those things that I've actually started this week getting follow-up from, from the publishers. So, you know, three weeks after the fact. So I'm, I'm surprised that they got into back that quickly. But uh, yeah. <laughs> so what Especially I guess. Especially with like ex- people spending so much money to buy that ticket. Like that kind of cuts out like the people who are like, who would just be like, oh, I got this game. I'm just going to pitch it. Right. I mean, like that having to pay that price for entry, I think meant, you know, serious applicants only. Right. I mean, people who were going to pay for it. We're likely going to be serious about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that yeah, that, that would make me think it would take even longer to get a response. Now, now, now it is interesting that you say that because um, you know I signed a lot of NDAs for this whole thing, so I gotta yep, yep. watch out what I'm saying. But uh, one specific publisher said that uh, one of the reasons for this whole event is that they wanted to vet the designers that were uh, submitting designs. So if they thought, you know, based on what I pitched and how I pitched it and what the information that I had and if I had a prototype and rules and stuff like that, then they would actually send me an invite for their online portal where that's where the designers submit to them directly. And it's right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And it's actually very interesting um, because I went through the portal and they have like the designer profiles on the publisher's portal. And then the status of a submitted design. So it's the status is, you know, kind of a pitch or evaluation or uh, or something else. So so that, and again, it goes to show that those uh, mass market publishers have definitely been doing this for a while. They do. I A couple of years back, I was in a situation where I had submitted to a mass market publisher. And it was the, yeah, it was. I, I completely forgot about that because the newer Larger publishers that I've talked to where I've had to sign NDAs, they haven't done the online portal thing. Uh, but yeah, that one specifically, and it's it's probably one of the ones you pitched to, I would guess, knowing some of the ones you pitched to. Uh, um, and they did. They had a cool thing where like you signed a bunch of paperwork, but then like you could actually go in and like see where it was in the process. And that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so that was that was a great event. It was I took my, that whole week off work, so I was still doing the studying in the evening, but that the whole morning and afternoon, I was, it was kind of like working as a designer at a convention, you know, going from meeting to meeting. Um, and it felt good, you know, it definitely made me miss going to conventions and all that. So, uh, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it was, it was a good one. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what comes out of that. Um, like, you know, one of the designs that I mentioned in the past, the last time I was in, it was the Rubik's Adventure game. So I had an idea for mm-hmm. yeah for, for a Rubik's game, and and they definitely uh, they were they, it seems like there was some interest there. You know, quoting one of the things that the person said was like, "We've never seen anything like this." So use it with the Rubik's cubes. So yeah, that's good. Yeah. So we'll see. Are they uh, I'll um you know crossing my fingers, but at this point, um I'm, you know managing my expectations. Um, this year has been definitely very different in, in how it works for designers and publishers and, and, you know, I'm just kind of imagining that. So awesome, man. Awesome. And that, that, uh, rolls a little into the topic we're going to talk about, uh, a little bit here, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Do you want to go ahead and tell us all about that topic? So the, the thing I really wanted to talk about was really, kind of like a evaluation of the last six months because it's been, it's been six months since uh, the whole pandemic and quarantine stuff started, uh, started back in March and we're in September, almost to October. And I just wanted to talk about how this has changed. And we've already been talking about this and you've talked with, uh, with Jason and Nicole and every other, other person it always comes up, but Let's just talk it talk about it from a designer perspective and what has been 
changed in a negative way. And there's a lot to talk about that for sure. But uh, there's also some positive aspects to it uh, and and what this means going forward as well, uh, because. Yeah, yeah, because things have changed. The, the, some of the things that have changed will not change back, even when we get to some sense of normalcy and we can have large gatherings. There are there are specific things that will not change back. And now most of those, I think, are positive, at least in my mind. OK, so so what's I, I guess let, let, let's start it off then. Uh, what, 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 what was in your mind when we were talking about that? What, what change would you, have you seen that it's a positive thing going forward? Well, you know, I, I felt like, and, and maybe this was just my own experience and not the experience of so many others, but I, I, I feel like it is the experience of, of a lot of other designers was that, you know, pitching was something you did mostly at conventions and there was there were other thing other times so you might have a personal relationship with someone you'd reach out and you'd pitch to them and that was great but like when it came to pitching to new publishers that you had not worked with before you pitched at conventions that's that's when that's when they wanted to hear pitches from people like you and I who they didn't know right no. um and now that that has changed i mean now it feels like consistently you can get a pitch meeting with lots of publishers now because because they're set up to be online right um, most of them, I think, are getting more fluent in things like Tabletop Simulator. As designers, we're getting more fluent in Tabletop Simulator. I'll tell you what, I did something that I never thought I would do. And that is I built my own game in Tabletop Simulator and it works and it actually looks really nice. Nice. Congrats. Uh, and I <laughs> Thanks. And I, I did it because it was a solo design. I needed it out there to be able to show it off to some people. And so there was no like... Get asking Neil to do it or asking Kelly to do it, you know, it, you know, like because they was working with them and they just would volunteer because they like like doing that and and I don't, but I'll tell you what, um, like I had to solve for some things where I was like, oh, I need the cards to be the hands to be in a different spot and stuff and and I just figured it out. Like I did a lot of googling and a lot of watching different tutorials and stuff and I figured it out and and it felt pretty awesome to get that done and that that getting that in really made me feel better uh, about the whole process. And then, and I did have to get some help. Component Studio, um, if you're new at Component Studio from GameCrafter, it is still mind-bogglingly difficult to learn if you don't have that kind of mindset for learning. And so Kelly Hoagland, uh, my pal, walked me through it. He's a, you know, he's a coder and he was able to walk me through it and and he he completely gets it. And now I get it enough to where I can go in and do stuff. And once you get over that little bit of a hurdle, it becomes a lot more intuitive. Uh, but it it was it was difficult getting to that point with and I don't I don't think I ever would have gotten to that point without someone walking me through it because it was so, just so frustrating. So you're bringing there, I guess, uh, two points because you mentioned that it's it is easier to to get right. a meeting with publishers and and I do agree with that. And the other meeting that you bring that it is positive is that basically this whole situation has been pushing us to to grow as designers and learn new skills mm -hmm. that can help us uh, through this design process. And, and I agree completely. Again, that's one of the things I we talked about uh, a couple of episodes back, uh, you know, learning Tabletop Simulator and Nandek and getting myself a 3D printer and learning how to use that and 3D modeling. That was that was great. That was great. And and I definitely appreciate that. Now, with the pu publisher uh, accessibility to publishers, there's a caveat there. And that is that while it is easier to contact publishers and pitch games to them because a lot of the conventions now are are virtual and they're still doing that um i don't know about you but from my perspective it's been it's been more difficult to get past a certain point in in evaluation process and of course you know every publisher is looking for a specific thing but at the same time they're very they're being very risk averse so yes yeah 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 so i think that they're definitely not uh they're looking at a lot of designs but at this point they're like looking for something that's that's at, you know 9.5 out of 10 as a design and that is, you know, that's a that's a big ask for us designers. Again, uh, uh, you know, obviously you want. I mean, maybe for some of us, I don't know. But <laughs> no. I met you, of course, not me. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it, it's it's one of those things that hey, I'm, I'm 
uh, that that in a sense is maybe a good thing for the industry and because that means that there's less games coming out but there's better games coming out uh and you know that's something probably in the future maybe a year or two from now that may right. be the case uh but as designers mm -hmm. it is definitely a little more difficult to to get games signed or maybe in into evaluation um because for me this year you know i don't i don't even know how many games i got evaluated um and i and i one thing that's positive and i forgot to say is that i actually signed <laughs> a game this week uh is actually my first co-design uh with uh matt wolf oh you signed that nice yeah, yeah so so my first co-design with uh, with matt, matt wolf from the game designers in north carolina and and that was a, a actually a publisher that uh is atheris games and i met them they're a small publisher but i met them at uh tantrum con and that was in february so that was actually a meeting that I had right. months yeah. ago and it was in person. So, so that goes to show now it was funny because when we had that meeting back then, it wasn't that specific game, but after reaching out again and stuff like that, we, it kind of worked together. So I'm definitely excited about that. However, going back to publishers, they, it has been difficult for them as well to evaluate games because it, even though having a game through tabletop simulator Or, or doing it through webcams online and stuff like that is just not the same. So, right, right. And I'm is, sure that in some capacity that hurts sales, but there's also the you're home with your family, you might as well play games, right? So, I mean, I think I feel like that's got to somewhat balance itself at least a little bit, I would hope. Yeah, yeah. But I guess what I'm saying is that as designers pitching, I think now we have an extra step in the pitching process. So first is getting the interest from the publishers, and that's always been the case, elevator pitch, sell sheet, and stuff like that. Then it's getting a meeting with maybe pitching the game through a tabletop simulator or through a webcam, and and that's an, an extra step. And now getting getting a game, you know, Uh, send, sending it and then evaluating it. And now through this whole process, it has taken longer because obviously there's a lot of stuff going on. People getting together, it's, it's been difficult. But I had a game under evaluation since January and I, I did get a rejection this week. So it was a nine, nine month process. And, you know, usually that's kind of the case, but Depends, you know, it depends on the publishers, but I have definitely seen a slower process from them because they definitely want to make sure that games are excellent for what they're looking for. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's interesting that you say that because I, so I've had some similar delays, but every delay that I've experienced has been with a game either that I signed before the pandemic or was attempting to sign before the pandemic. Everything that I've pitched post or mid pandemic, I guess, not post, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> mid pandemic um, has either been quickly rejected or um, has been signed or has been a good process of back and forth and collaboration um, leading hopefully towards a signing. Uh, you know, that's what it feels like, but I mean, you just, you don't know a lot of times, right? Um, so, I actually, for me, it's been, it's been quite the opposite, hmm. but you know, I, part of that has been, you know, I like, I, I work with a lot of co-designers, right? Um, and so we've just like, when we, um, Banana and I had a game and when we, uh, showed it off to one publisher and then decided not to go in that direction. And then like almost immediately through our contacts, we were able to ask several places and then find someone who was willing to meet, try it, you know, and now talk about it with us. And, and that's been, you know, what, what I, what I had said to the people we were working with was, I feel like we've made six months worth of progress in three weeks because mm -hmm. of the online setting. And because it, it's just a game that works well in tabletop simulator that, which is, which is helpful. Right. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, so that's it. Just um, that that's been that's been a positive for me um, because I feel like 
were able to move forward where it'd be like, all right, well, hey, we'll see you at this next convention in three months. We'll try and meet up and spend an hour there. Like now it's been like, hey, let's spend an hour once or twice a week hammering through this game and, and working some stuff out. And so that I think has been positive, right? Yeah. Um, oh, I guess it, but, it, it but is all of our that, experiences are different, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it, your experience is different from mine for sure. And, and, and that also, you know, the builder's uh, experience is going to be different as well. But that, that's a good thing about having this conversation is shows perspective, right? Um, so to that, you did bring another good point is that the releases of publishers have also been affected. Um, I, Absolutely. I did have, a, a, I do have a game signed with a certain publisher. And I actually reached out this week just to, you know, to say how things are going and stuff. And, and they said that they, they still want to uh, uh, publish the game and all that, but they're going to have to push it back because they're currently focusing on the lines that are already known. Um, right, right. Yeah. They're going with the, with the, with the, the hits, right? Because they, yeah, tried and true. They feel comfortable with that. And that, that is super smart on their part because in a time like this, people want more of the stuff they're comfortable with, right? That's yeah. that's fair. Look at Pandasaurus. I mean, they're doing the Dinosaur Island now, rolling right in the Dinosaur World, and that's going to do spectacularly because, well, because it's something people already identify with, right? And yeah. it's exciting yeah. to see that now as, you know, when you're, everything <laughs> seems different and not great. Yeah, yeah, and they're definitely taking, uh, you know, other risk with with new designs like mine and and all the other ones that they had earlier in the right. year, but that's something that they already had uh, planned. Yeah, th th that train was already left the station, or that yeah. boat, I guess, had already left the port. <laughs> so for sure, for sure. So so yeah, that's that's definitely on the on the publisher side and and how it affects us as designers. I guess one thing that we kind of glossed over, and and it may also be a positive thing, is that. Or well, I guess it's definitely a positive, negative, double-edged sword. Is the whole convention uh, scene um, as designers, as as board game enthusiasts, we love the whole socializing component of board games. And oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what conventions bring to that, right? You know, going to conventions is just it's just you know for a lot of you know for a lot of people it's different experience. But for me, I'm a big extrovert. I love it. I love hanging out with people, meeting new people. And that's definitely something that, that has changed. Um, and I'm not, but conventions still make me love that being part of the game design community. So yeah, I get it. I absolutely get where you're coming from. Yeah. And I guess the big question is how, how is that going to change moving forward? Because there's, there's, you know, there's no end inside to, to this whole uh, pandemic. I know that there's a lot of phases going on through different states. And things, in a sense, may be getting better. But of course, as as we get into fall and winter now, you know that whole temperature thing may change how the virus works and stuff like that. So ultimately, it may end up being until there's a vaccine or something uh, that we may not even have a, a conventions in the in the coming <laughs> months or years. Yeah, I I would be. I would be shocked if you see a physical convention well attended, especially, but really like a Gen Con or whatever. I don't think you're going to see that before 2022. I would be shocked if we did. I would love to be wrong. Um, but yeah. I just, I, I think, I think that in the beginning we were hopeful um, and not that we can't be hopeful now, but I, it's just that understanding of, okay, no, this is a long haul thing that we have to do and we have to push through. And we have to work together. And that means not getting together. And uh, it's going to be amazing when we can. It's just going to be so amazing when we can. But uh, it's, yeah, I mean, it's it's a long ways off, right? And that is going to, that's going to be interesting to navigate as well when that, you know, when that time comes uh, and we can start doing things like going to Gen Con and Origins and, you know, the other conventions that we all as designers love to meet up at. Yeah, and that that means that you know obviously that's that's a big big change, and we've already gotten an intro into that throughout these last six months. Uh, now, one thing for sure is how are we gonna um, address it in a sense where we're still trying to be mentally healthy? Because I ha I do definitely feel like the the past six months have definitely been hard 
Uh, and, and, you know, I'm definitely the kind of guy I look on the positive side and maybe the whole stress part of, of things outside of, you know, st- still being at home and, and doing all this stuff that puts a lot of stress and, uh, on me. Uh, but, but it is one of those things that we got to watch out for, for our, our mental health. And, and if, if it comes as a, as a designer, because a lot of the times what really pushes you forward is kind of the, that whole interaction with people and people experiencing your designs and stuff like that. And, and if that doesn't come, then it will definitely affect, uh, affect us as, as, you know, creative people. Um, Oh yeah, for sure. One of the, so one of the things that um, this is a little bit of a different thing along these same lines, but we've seen, you know, things you've said where we've, yeah, publishers are slowing down a bit. They're being precautious. You know, they're, they're looking for things that are tried and true things they know they can be comfortable with, but what we're seeing designers do, which I didn't expect, but I love is you're seeing lots of designers, myself now included, really looking at putting their own games out there and putting out, the stuff that maybe wouldn't normally get published because they can, right? Because they can do it on their own and they can have kind of this like punk rock mentality of like, I'll just put my own game out there. I'll do it on Kickstarter. It's going to be great. And, and I think that that's, I hope that that doesn't change because I think that that's really cool to see designers finding different outlets for putting out their own games, right? Because we all have games that we, when we're designing games where we design a game, we're like, I love this game, but who's going to publish this game, right? And it should never stop us from designing it, but it does stop us from pitching it sometimes, right? Because yeah. who am I going to pitch this game to? And you're you're holding it, looking for that perfect publisher. And maybe, maybe that perfect publisher is is you. And, uh, and you're never going to like uh, us small guys publishing our own stuff and, you know, stuff we co-designed for fun. We're not going to be these huge companies, right? But But if we have fun doing it, and it helps us get more product out there and more stuff out there and in more creative content into a world that can need it. I think that's awesome. And and I mean, I'm not just saying that because I'm going to do it. I'm saying that because <laughs> I was inspired by others as well to say, you know what, this is this is this is a good idea. I think this is worthwhile. Yeah. And 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 to each to each their own, for sure. I mean, for me, I may actually go on the uh, separate a uh, different direction and, and say, you know, I'm just being I just want to. I'm just currently being pushed to get better stuff out there, get better designs. And, and it, it is hard because that means that there's a lot of rejection along the way. Uh, but again, it is one of those things that if you go through it, you'll definitely learn. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely one of those things that um, I'm definitely mm-hmm. trying to do more uh, development on the, my designs, which is obviously a little harder. Uh, one of the things that I do see as a future thing uh, and I did post it on Twitter a couple of weeks back was that in one to two years, there's going to be a different, uh, new craze, you know, the roll and write craze and the micro game craze and legacy craze. This craze is going to be called the flat games craze. So this means all games that are easily, um, you know, uploadable to tabletop simulator. <laughs> right, right, right. Be- <laughs> because those are the tools that we're currently using to do our play testing. Right. You're not and, wrong. And, and all that. So, uh, and, and I, and I may have mentioned it in the past as well, this whole thing, but, but it, I, I again, I, I think it definitely, it, you know, one, two, two years from now, that's going to be a, a big thing, which is, which is okay. Again, as, and that just pushes people to go to those boundaries. What can I do with what I got? Um, right. I, I think that that, like that is, that sums it up, right? What can I do with what I've got it? One of the things that keeps popping into my head as we're talking through this is, is a, is a quote from the original Jurassic park. When, when Jeff Goldblum says, you know, the, the infamous, uh, life, uh, finds a way, right. And it's more like games, uh, find a way, I guess in our case, (laughs) but but that's the thing, right? Is like some of us are like, I'm just going to put stuff out there. And, and some of us are saying, well, I'm just going to hone what I'm doing and, and make the best possible things that I can make and make them 9.5s, right? And I, I think that, you know, publishers are re examining what they're doing. We're using the tools that we have. We're making these games that are easily put into, uh, into Tabletop Simulator. Though, though I do, I do predict that you are going to see 
sometime shortly after the pandemic, a very large influx of party games that require gatherings and like physical games and dexterity games, because I think mm-hmm. people are going to be just just dying for that because, yeah, because we, we don't have that right now. Right. And that'll be great. Yeah. And, and to that point, also, also games that that uh, while they may not be on the flat side, but they may be uh, n- n- that can be played through networks, you know, you like watching people through cameras and stuff like that. Uh, like your right, right. opposite is opposite game. You know, you can definitely play that. Uh, Done it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> So, so it, it is one of those things that it, it, it still pushes us to be better designers in, in our designs and how we can do things. But at the same time, if, if you have the opportunity to do things physical and, and get with a group that, that have been safe and, and that you trust, then, then try. Because at this point, you, you know who's, who's kind of been uh, safe in a sense and, and at least... Yeah, yeah. Risk averse and, and and all that. So so you you at one at one point or another you definitely gotta try to flex that social muscle. <laughs> yeah, I think that you know this is something my wife and I have talked about a lot is the idea of at some point you have to expand your bubble a bit, and it's just all about expanding it in a way that you're comfortable with, right? We've expanded ours like minimally. Like we have a tutor that helps the kids through online school. And we know her. She's very careful. She wants to work for us because we're very careful. We allow my mom, who who doesn't see anyone who's at, at risk pretty much at all, who she comes and stays with us now because because she, otherwise she was by herself most of the time. And we'd rather have her come see us here, right? And you know we have to figure out how to expand those bubbles in a safe way because otherwise everyone's going to lose their mind and. And that's what you're seeing with people going out and just being dumb and shirking all the rules and stuff because, well, because they, you know, because people are losing their minds trying to uh, work through this. And and I respect that. It's it's hard, uh, but I it's real great if we could be safe about it. Right. So, yeah. Now, um, I guess we've talked about a little about publishers and, and designers now. We also we can also talk about the just the, the normal board game enthusiast people because um, I do see both an influx and and then you know and people getting out of the industry in a sense uh, as well because in the influx in the sense of okay we, we let's play more things together because we're at home longer and stuff like that and and that's uh, definitely a great thing but at the same time there may be people that. I'm doing board games because I, I want to get together with people and, and this is just doing things uh, through this way. Might as well just play video games. Um, right, right. <laughs> and, and that is, and that's okay. Again, uh, do what makes you, what makes you happy? What, what were you, what you have fun doing? Uh, and, but it, it is something that, you know, it's gonna, the audience shifts and, and ultimately I think it's still going to grow. Uh, there's still a lot of room to grow, and with this p- whole pandemic thing, again, like I said, people staying indoors, especially families uh, that may not know much about board games, just Monopoly and such, may may start looking for new things because they're tired of playing those Monopoly and 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 Scrabble and all that. Um, so so that 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 is ultimately a, a good thing, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know that as in my family, we have certainly played more games uh, of late than we, we have for a long time because, well, because you're trying to figure out what's fun to do, right? I want to do something that's going to bring me joy. It's going to bring me fun. And we have a lot of board games here, so let's play them. I do want to do want to make one quick note here. So I got Marvel United in the mail. Okay. Uh, I backed that big Kickstarter. I talked about it a ton. And uh, it is... So so they did this cool thing where you could pay a little bit extra and they would ship you the main game now instead of you having to wait till March 2021 for everything, right? And so I did it because I was like, you know what? The kids will just be excited. And we've played three games now, two games now, two games now. And it is a riot. Like, it's a lot of fun. Good. It's uh, I- I'm really interested in in how they did it simply because 
every time you play with a different villain, the game is different and it's different in a way that's, that is intuitively different, right? Because the core of it is still the same. Just some of your goals are different and basically you're doing the same things, but it, you have to do them in a different way. And it's just, the design is, is very, very good. And I, I cannot wait to, so we have right now we have nine miniatures to play the game with. And in March, 2021, I'll have, uh, 71 more to add to that. <laughs> and woo, I can't wait. They got you there. Uh, we're going to be real good yeah. at the game by the time the rest of them come though, with the, uh, five heroes we're playing. I mean, the six heroes we're playing with and the three villains. So anyways, I just wanted to give a shout out to that because the family has been loving it. Everyone in the family likes it. And because, uh, you, it's a co-op, right? You normally play it with your hands hidden, but we've found that if we just play it with hands face up, that my six-year-old daughter can't even play it. And right. that is great because it's an awesome family experience. They did an amazing job re in representation in the game. So there are, I think, three female heroes in the, in the, uh, in the base game. And that just makes my daughter super excited because she can play as girl heroes. The last time she played Ant-Man because Ant-Man's actually really good in the game. Uh, and right. she was like, I want to be Ant-Man. I was like, girl, then be Ant-Man. That's awesome. <laughs> but anyways, a huge shout out for that. You can actually get that now. I think like at Target and stuff, they actually have the base game. So I would recommend it to people. It's It was a lot of fun. Good, good. Yeah, it's there's there's still a lot of good stuff coming out. Uh, on my side, I guess I... I've just been so focused on on the studying things that I haven't really played uh, many board games lately. Even even playtesting, um, I haven't playtested any of my games in in more than a month because this this whole thing takes a lot of time. But uh, I'm definitely excited to get back into it. Um, now uh, on the on the playtesting side, uh, one thing that's for sure is that when you do get to playtest and let's say, you know, through tabletop simulator or whatever, um, the the type of feedback that you get, especially on, depending on who you're playtesting with, because now you ha we have a lot of different groups that are meeting and people that you don't know and stuff like that. It's the feedback is all over the place. Uh, one of the things that I... It's like Unpub. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So, so you definitely got to, you know, like a good designer, you, you just got to make sure what... what really i guess nick pick the the feedback but in a sense of not just pick what you want to hear but really what people are saying if they're saying it a lot then then that's probably the the case but um people are you know through online i i would say that they're a little you know they don't they they don't care about your feelings which is a good thing <laughs> right right it's it's interesting because you know, we for so long have had to learn how to parse out what do people actually like. I liken it to like because Tabletop Simulator has its problems, right? It is a great program because we can use it, but it's also just awful in a lot of ways. And I think that one of the things that's prepared us for that is when you have a prototype and people like to say things like, you know, if the graphic design was better on this, it would make this game better. Uh, you get that in also in Tabletop Simulator, right? It's like, hey, listen, it's going to be wonky in Tabletop Simulator. And I'm sorry, it's not my fault. Tabletop Simulator is wonky. But I'm curious, when you do these play tests with groups of people, do you do it with just like a Discord channel with voice chat? Or do you also have video chat? No, it's just voice chat uh, because most of your stream... I think that's right most of your screen is taking off tabletop simulator and you're just listening to people do the thing. And, right. and, and that does, does bring a good point that it cuts your feedback because a lot of the times the feedback yeah. just doesn't come from, from what people are saying, but also what they're doing and how they're interacting with your game. And that amount, that kind of feedback is lost. So it definitely makes See, it difficult. Yeah, and we've been mostly testing party games and things like that in Tabletop Simulator because, you know, what a great time to sell party games in a pandemic. Uh, but <laughs> but really, I think that the, the, the big thing around that has been that we I, I have to see your face when I play the game with you if you're playing one of my party games because, well, it, just because, right? Because there's so many things you're trying to read in that yeah. person's face and you just don't get that off the off playing on the game board, right? You just see their little hand hovering over everything and you're like, what's happening? 
Um, so everything I've done so far when it came to Tabletop Simulator has also included a video chat with it. But I know you're also in game design groups and stuff to where you're not going to get that, right? Because these are people in their house who you don't know personally, and they're playing your games and they're giving you feedback. So I do think that that has something to do with the critical feedback, though. I think you're going to get more critical, honest feedback when they can't see your face, just like when they respond to your post on Facebook, right? And they can't see you and they feel like they can say whatever they want. I'm not even saying when it comes to feedback that that's bad. I think that we should be considerate of people's feelings when giving feedback. Not that we shouldn't be negative, but I think that we just don't have to be a jerk about it. And so, yeah, (laughs) I'm hopeful that that's not what you're saying. That people are just, they're being honestly critical, but it's still constructive. Because there's, you get a little of everything. Sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I guess that I just find like critical feedback where people are just really jerky about it just it's just not helpful um because it 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 does two things right it can make it hard for you to accept the feedback because then when they're rude it feels like a personal attack right which as designers we have to get over that um but i think the thing that can be more difficult about it is your play testers that can very much sway them if the fir- first person that jumps in is like oh man this game was awful Here's all the reasons why. I, th- I think a lot of times the next bit of feedback you get is not honest. It's going to be one of two things. It's going to be jumping on the bandwagon of, yeah, this sucked, right? Uh, if they were leaning that direction, if they didn't really like it, they're going to hate it. And if they did kind of like it, there's this chance that they may just feel really bad for you and amp up the positive, which is also completely unhelpful, right? Yeah. Um, so... Anyway, so yeah, super like negatively rude feedback is doesn't help anybody. Yeah, yeah. and that's, that's you my know, feeling that, on that. That's even before the pandemic, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, but it was harder when they had you look in the face and do it, right? Yeah, a exactly, lot of the people exactly. wouldn't, you know. I mean, that's right. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so, I guess that's kind of. Uh, there's definitely some positives and some some negatives and some neutral stuff going on. Um, I guess, is there anything else before we move to the next thing? No, I think, I think we, uh, we kind of covered all the bases. I I would certainly love to hear if any of the builders have Mm -hmm. thoughts on this because they have to again, right? Um, we are two people's experiences. There have to be people with lots of different experiences than we're having with this. I'm sure there are some, some very, uh, frequent commonalities (laughs) between, I mean, there are just between you and I, right? I'm sure there are between others as well too. But I, I would love to hear what people have to think uh, about this stuff and what they have to say about it. Cool. So it seems like uh, you're going to be workshopping a game or, or pitching a game. Yeah. So I agreed to pitch a game tonight. I asked you, normally you you like pitching games and you like workshopping stuff. And since you like workshopping stuff, I thought, well, hey, how about <laughs> I workshop something? So here's the um, thing. Here's, so- here's my, my conspiracy theory. The last time you pitched something was opposite is opposite. And I gave you some such good feedback and ideas that you're like, I got to pick Julio's brain again. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's basically <laughs> what happened. No, really. Like today I'm sitting here working on this prototype and I've got it like 90% playable, right? Like I'm, I'm really clear. You could sit down and play it right now, but it doesn't have what it needs to really be what I, where I need it to be. And I'm stuck. And as I'm sitting there trying to work on it, I was like, you know what? Why don't I just see if you you happened to during that time you happened to message me and you said, Hey, let's talk about what we just talked about. And I said, Okay, let's do that. And then I was like, Ooh, I should just pitch this game and see what Julio wants to think about it. So yes, no, you gave good feedback. I am willing to steal your ideas at any time. Okay. Uh, I'm like Josh Mills in that way. I'll just steal <laughs> other people's ideas and call them my own. So what you got? But, so okay. So right now this game, uh, it's a it's a random and right game. It is either right now I'm calling it platformer. Uh, it's not a good name. Uh, side scroller would probably actually be a better name, though still not a great name. But anyways, uh, so this game is an 18 card game. So you have 18 cards. The cards look like, oh, the cards look like this. I'm going to show you and then I'm going to describe it. So the cards have three lines across them, right? And those lines are levels uh, of like a platformer game. And on those levels, you're going to see some different things. You might see a key and uh, you may see a ladder going down to the next level or up to the one above, or you could see a lock 
Uh, there's keys of certain colors, locks of corresponding colors. You might also see some coins or some other random things. And the way this game works is you deal out. Uh, everybody has dealt one of these cards. These cards are double-sided. There's 18 of them. Every side is unique. So there are um, 36 different cards or what works out to be 108 different lines across these 18 cards, which is a lot for only 18 cards. And so what the lines do is they make up platforms that you would be seeing like in a game like a Mario Brothers style game, like an old school side scrolling platformer. And um, what you do is uh, everybody's dealt one of those cards. They look at it. They How pick which side they are want. You talking about um, two to four, two to four players. Okay. So every all players are dealt one card and they pick which side they want to use. They set it down in front of them. Then five cards are dealt out for the draft. And uh, at that point, everyone will go around drafting a card. Um, and the, the cards are double-sided, but when you draft a card, you're only taking a card based on the side you can see face up, okay? Mm -hmm. And every card basically has a good side and a not as good side. And, and that's based on the number of coins you could collect. Every card will have one line with two coins on one side and one coin on the other. So if you see the one coin side, you know that the other side is probably better. So everyone will go around drafting a card. When you draft a card, you'll take that card, the face that is up, and you will place it down on the on, in front of you to the right of the card you already have. Mm -hmm. And here's the rule with placing. Two lines have to line up, so okay. you could at least. So you could put it dead center, or you could put it up one, one or down one, right? Yep. So, so you could the, eventually the make a staircase. Yes, that's a great... Yes, the middle one will always be connected, and then the top or the bottom, or sometimes both, right? So you're going to draft four cards. Oh, sorry. After everyone's drafted a card, any cards that weren't drafted are flipped over. So now the other side is revealed, Okay. And then the rest of the cards are, are filled in and we redraft until everyone has four cards in front of them and they've built this little, like basically this little level. Like, and it's a simple level. It's got four things. Um, and what you're going to do is you're going to take a player marker and at the same time, everyone is going to pick a spot on the leftmost card. What are those three levels, right? Top, middle, or bottom. Place their token there. They're a little player marker. And then run through the level, right? So as they run through the level, they have to stay on the same connecting line unless there's a ladder that would bring them down or up a level. Um, and if they cross a coin or an item like a key, they pick it up. If they run into a lock they and they have a key, they can open the lock. If they don't, they can't and they are stuck, right? And How then many they would types end. of locks and keys. You said there were different. Colors. So there are um, there are six keys with six corresponding locks. So okay. six right now they're just colored keys, and um, yeah, in every so the way it's designed is every uh, card on one side will have one key of one color, and on the opposite side will have one lock of a different color. And the way I, I balanced it was I made it so that every like every green key will always be on the top row. Every green lock will always be in the middle row, right? So that it, what it does is it makes it so that you can never pick up a key and run straight across and unlock a lock. Does that make sense? You have yeah. to go up and down. So, um, so we're going to run through the level, collecting everything we can. If I get to the end, I'll stop and wait. Anybody who gets knocked out is out, right? But for How any of us that made out? it to the end, what'd you say? How do you get knocked out by not being able uh, so to So if they ran into, for instance, they ran into a lock and they couldn't get through, right? Um, so they've stopped. Uh, everyone else who's still in the game, as long as it's more than one player, will pick up their first leftmost card, right? Flip it over and then place it at the end. If they can move, they move. You'll continue doing that until all but one player has been locked out. It takes an average of three to five flips I've found before everyone is out, right? At that point, we go into what I call the fortifying round. So what I haven't said about this yet is that you actually have a big sheet. You have a roll and roll. Oh, I said it was a random and right. Yeah. So you have an and write sheet you're going to use that's going to allow you to track things. So like when I pick up a green key, I'm going to circle a green key on my board mm -hmm. so that I know I have a green key. And that's going to carry over to my next run, right? It's not just the first, like I'm going to have that till I use it. 
Um, any coins that I collect, I'm going to circle those. And then in between in that fortifying round, I'm going to be able to take and build, I mean, sorry, and buy power-ups. Power-ups will let me do things like the jump boots will let me jump up a level. The shovel will let me move down a level. Um, and these are one-time use things, right? Um, the, uh, what else is there? There's the magnet, which would pull in coins automatically from the next level above or below, or from the adjacent levels. Uh, there's a thing that doubles your coins for a round. Uh, what else is there? There is, so there's multiple things that do different things. Oh, there's a, there's a skeleton key that will unlock any lock one time. And you, when you buy one of these items, you fill it in and then you cross it off as you use it. And then, so that, that part of the game works, right? Like that part of the game works It needs some balancing, but it, but it works. Uh, what I'm stuck with is I want to create a whole section of set collection and, not just set collection, but basically scoring, right? You know, your best roll and rights and other random and rights have really interesting scoring mechanics that you can have build out throughout the game, right? So, but I'm stuck. Like the, the one thing I have right now is number of locks opened, right? So when you open um, a set of locks, which is one lock of all six colors, you're going to earn bonus points for that, right? Okay. Um, and and then if you end up opening five locks of the same color, you're going to end up with a bonus at the end of the game for that, right? That I've got down. That I'm not worried about. It's really beyond that in other things. Like I, I right now I have one for if you win a round, like if, you get, if you're the last person standing or still running in a round, then you get, you get to check that off and you, you get some sort of points for that. But beyond that, I'm really struggling with what to um with what type of scoring to build in to that um yeah so, so that's that's kind of where i'm at with it okay so here's here's an idea um so you, you you said that once you get through the drafting round you start using the ones in the back and add them to the front uh but on the other correct you, you flip it so one thing that I think you, you're missing is the fact that you have this other board that you're using just to track stuff. Um, I Maybe you should consider interacting that board with the cards that you're playing. Um, so what, what I'm trying to say here is, let's say uh, you just draft three cards and you're basically trying to pass that level to get to your board. And on that board is maybe where you buy stuff and maybe do some other stuff with the things that you've done through the level. So maybe you want to use that key to unlock something on your board that you can either unlock on the on a future card, but you don't know if you're gonna get a green uh, a green chest in the future. Um, now, so so that is something there. So you may even have use this little. Uh, I guess like a maze or something on your board. And you know, the problem with that is that that's going to be static. Uh, but if you do make it, so it's connected to the three lines, then the, the determines where you're going to start your little maze or whatever it is. And you're using that board to interact with your little token, because ultimately it seems like it's a, it's a solo game, right? Everybody's doing their own thing besides the drafting part of it. Um, right. Besides the drafting and trying to be, you know, there would be a bonus for being the last person, but yes, but there, there also is a bonus for being, I mean, but here's the thing, here's the right. thing with, with something like that, where you have, okay, if I just fall off, I'm out of the game. Is that correct? You're out of that round, right? Okay. That's it. You're just out of that turn. And then, you know, the game goes over like right now I have five rounds. Um, it, it really, I need to get more in the groove of how long, cause playing a level takes like three minutes. So that's not hard, right? It's, it's the, like building and playing a level is easy. It's the next step of what am I tracking on my board? But I absolutely love, love, love the idea of, um, using your board because one of the things that immediately popped in my head was putting on the board entrances, Right. So like I could have an entrance where you can only get to it from the top yeah. and I could have an entrance where you can only get to it from the bottom or the one side, which would mean that like, um, 
And here's it, it, it could allow you to interact in really weird ways with the board. Like that's really good, man. That's really good. And here's the other thing. It also gives you a transition space for players. The problem with how you have it now is that you're basically flipping the card that you have at the end and you don't know what's on that side of the card. So it's a definitely very random and you, it's just next to your token. So it may ultimately, it's ultimately a, a die roll if you're going to be able to cross or not. But with having the board as a transition space, it starts, it lets you plan around, okay, I see what this other part of the card had. Uh, do I want to go through the middle up or, or down type deal? So, so that gives you a little more decision space. So like I could have it to be where you can unlock, you can use a, a green key to unlock a green door. I mean, a green uh, lock on the running board or on your player board, depending on what your goals are. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. And then that's that dang board, good. And that board will have maybe if you want to do set collection, then that that may be where you have maybe uh, people like to fill uh, bars. So you have maybe three bars that you're like filling up as you cross every level. Um, so so that's maybe how you're you're doing that. So it may ultimately be that I do. One of the things I like about platformers is is you know defeating monsters. So. Maybe adding some of those too. I don't know how that will look and how it. Yeah, that's up to you to to figure it out. That was, you know, so that was something I was certainly planning on. The ob most obvious way to do that is swap out some keys and make make the you know make up a sword and make the monster. But you could actually have your character who you are then gearing up permanently as you go through the game, which would be really interesting. Um, yeah. I did have some of that in like once you've gotten like seven green keys, because I was like, what happens if somebody had, who was looking at this with me said, what happens once I've collected seven green keys? That's how many slots you have. Once I've used all those, what do I do? And I said, well, obviously, once you get all seven green keys, you have like permanent green keys. And they're like, oh, that's really smart. And I mean, it just was on the fly. Right? I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that's what. But it, but it works. Right. It's a great workaround for um, like now I have the infinite key. Um, but no, I just, I love, love, love that idea that you could be playing a platformer game inside the platformer game. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of how I do with my designs. I like to do layers and layers and, and even when you have limited amount of components, uh, again, it's trying to push yourself to how you, how do you want to use them? And I, I, and I think it's a, you know, missed opportunity especially with the cards being able to move around because all of the games are, you know, very static in a sense, but this one's you're moving them around and flipping them. So having them interact with that main player board is definitely a, something to do that you could follow up on. Thank you. Yeah, no, that's great. And, and I plan on having it be a full size paper sheet okay. for the, for the writing board because I wanted it to feel really big and roomy. So I have this huge bottom section that's just open. And that's with my poor graphic design. With like good graphic design, like you could probably have two thirds of, I mean, yeah, easily two thirds of the board as open space that could be used to do other things. So, oh man, yeah. I mean, I, I, part of me is annoyed at you because it's going to be a lot more work to figure this out. But on the other hand, like I feel real good about where it's going. So, yeah, thank You're you. Welcome. See, I knew you'd have great feedback. <laughs> yeah, though, uh, you know, I'm going to start charging you next time. Don't get used to it. Hey, hey, I've given you plenty of so-so uh, ideas for your games. I don't know. I said so-so. I didn't say good. Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> I gave you a job that pays really poorly that requires you to work at least once a month. <laughs> I, I enjoy I enjoy that, really. It's it's definitely, it, it lets me catch up with, with you and, and, a, and a way to vent what my thoughts are and, and kind of. Right, right. And hopefully builders yeah. appreciate that, too. I have, I have heard good feedback. In fact, somebody just recently had said to me that their favorite episodes now are your episodes. Uh -oh. So when I was like, really? Him? No, I was, <laughs> I was like, that's great. Because I've heard other people say other people's episodes. Are there, and that's, that's what we want. That's why right. we have this rotation now. So that you're getting so many different ideas and opinions as a listener. And, and then as designers, we're getting to interact differently. And it's, it's just, it's, it's really great for all of us is my hope. Cool, 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 cool. Well, hey, anything else you want to throw out there? 
Um, well, uh, yes, actually, um, I got my game Holy Festival of Colors. It's it seems yeah. like it's gonna be released in November. So oh, awesome! So that's uh that's gonna be fun. Uh, I guess the next time that we talk, we'll probably have probably some more concrete details because that's gonna be end of October. Awesome! Um, yeah. So watch out for that. That's uh, my next game coming out from Floodgate Games. It's an area control game that uses three boards uh, stacked vertically, uh, and they're translucent boards as well. They did um, uh, game trays were the ones that did the boards for this game. So they're molded into each little space is molded so the pieces don't shift around and stuff. So it's a great uh, product design That's there. Awesome. So kudos to Floodgate on that. Um, and, 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 I, and I actually have to say that I played the original version of this game uh, where it was like three layers like stacked next to each other. And even that was way easier to understand. When you first showed it to me, I was like, this is going to be a nightmare to understand where. But it wasn't. So now that they're actually stacked vertically, it's even easier. And it was already easy. So <laughs> it's super awesome. And and I played the game at this point uh, a couple of times, and and they definitely brought it to another level. <laughs> See what I did there? Oh, that's great to hear. That is great to hear. Oh, yes, yes, nice pun, very nice. <laughs> so so yeah, watch out for the for that, and they'll probably have it on on pre order on their website still, or or may have it available when it releases. Awesome. All right. Well, hey, Builders, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. We appreciate it. You can get in touch with us at buildingthegamepodcast.com. You can email us at buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com. You can call us at 770-HOTEL-BTG. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on the Twitter at PodcastBTG, at J.A. Slinger Linen, at Nasaru. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, and a good night. Buenas noches. Building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Dial 770 BTG. Please don't use the email.